Folks, we're in John 3, so turn there if you will. John chapter 3. Moving through John. And we've come to chapter 3. I want you to see for just a moment how chapter 2 feeds into chapter 3. I pointed this out last week. Let me say it again this morning. The end of chapter 2, these people were saying they believed in Jesus, but Jesus was not entrusting himself to them. You see that in verse 24? But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man, now there was a man. See that connection? Here's a man that Jesus knows what's inside him. That's the point. And we meet this man, and his name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Let me read to you John 3, 1 through 10. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answers the unasked question because he knows what's in the heart. No questions asked here, but Jesus gives an answer. Notice that. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the, definitely an article, the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? It's got to be a terrible thing to go through your whole life thinking you're on the right track, thinking you've been climbing the ladder in one dire- going in one direction and realize that you've been going the wrong direction your whole life, that you've had the ladder leaning against the wrong building, and yet that is what's happening here in this crisis for Nicodemus. To realize all of his devotion to his religion to realize all the things he had taught people, to realize all the good things and rituals he had participated in all his life. Jesus says, that's not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. All your religious activity, even the fact that you are a ruler of the Jews, you're part of that Sanhedrin, you're well-respected, people look up to you, people admire you, you are the teacher of Israel, you are, you are listened to, people take notes on your sermons, they do all of these things, but that's not going to get you into heaven, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. All of those things that you have worked so hard for, thinking you were on the right track, Nicodemus, you have been on the wrong track. People need to be born again. You know why? Because at the fall, we lost our minds. 
We fell into darkness at the fall. At the fall, we lost our ability to understand God. We lost the ability to know God. We lost the ability to find God. There is nothing in us that can restore that relationship to God. At the fall, we fell into darkness. We died spiritually. At the fall, we lost our way. At the fall, the lights went out spiritually. And man can't find God. Man needs God. Man's religious and he wants to find God somehow. But on his own, he cannot do it. He needs, Jesus says, a new birth. He needs something to happen to restore that which has been lost. He needs something to regenerate him and to bring him to life. Everybody needs this. That is the human dilemma. Men are dead in their trespasses and sins. They're given so much evidence in creation, in their conscience, and they suppress it. They worship the creature rather than the creator. Their minds are darkened. They cannot find God. They turn from God. They want to be God themselves. They create gods in their own image, but they cannot find the true God. They cannot find the way into the kingdom of God unless God does something. They need to be restored to right thinking, but they don't have the ability to do that. Their thinking has been corrupted and darkened. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, Proverbs says. Men have a path they're on. They think that's the right path. They think this is the way. They latch on to philosophies they think will take them there. And they end up in hell if they don't repent before they die. Nicodemus was a religious man. He was a man. He is the example of a man in need. A man who was admired, a man who was the best of men. And yet, he was on the road to hell and judgment. He would not see the kingdom of God. He thought like most Jews, listen, I'm a Jew. That should be enough. I'm a descendant of Abraham. That should be enough. All Jews thought that. No. Heritage doesn't matter. Your family line doesn't matter. Your credentials don't matter, Nicodemus. None of that matters. Nicodemus says, we know you're from God. He says that to Jesus. We know you're from God. We may maybe meaning the other Sanhedrin. We know you're from God because we see all these miracles that you do. That's verse 2. We see all of that. We know you must be from God. And Jesus sort of ignores that. He just basically ignores that. And he goes to the real issue, and that is the issue of Nicodemus. You need to be born again. You need to be regenerated. 
New birth, what is it? What is the new birth? Notice verse 9. Uh, he asks the question, how can these things be? Are you not a teacher of Israel? Verse 10. He says, he says this in verse 6. Verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we're not talking about physical birth here. It's not a flesh producing flesh. This is spirit producing spirit. Verse uh, 8. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We're talking about being born of the Spirit. We're not talking about physical birth. We're talking about spiritual birth. We come into this world, like I said earlier, physically we have the the, the necessary equipment to understand the world and interact with, with it, but we don't have what it takes to relate spiritually to God. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But a natural man, that is a man who is born of this world from Adam, descendant of Adam, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. This is talking about the first birth all of us have experienced. We're called natural men. We cannot and do not accept the things of God. We do not spiritually appraise. We do not value the things of God. We can't process them intellectually. We can't value them. We can't treasure them. Oh, you can hear them and you can interact with them and debate them, but you really do not understand them. I was telling our new members class this morning, the world thinks we're aliens. We are aliens, by the way, but the world thinks that about us. They don't understand us. They do not understand how we think. They do not understand what, why we believe what we believe, why we come here and look at an ancient book together, why we come here and, and fellowship with each other, being from all different backgrounds, and they, why we come here and, and pray to a God we cannot see. They don't understand us because they have not been spiritually, their eyes have not been opened spiritually. It should not shock us that they don't understand us. Apart from the Spirit, they cannot understand us. They cannot interact with the, quote, spiritual realm without a spiritual birth. They cannot think God's thoughts. They cannot do, his thoughts are higher than their thoughts. His ways are higher than their ways. He can't, they can't do it. Their ability to believe God fell with them at the fall, at the fall with Adam. The ability to believe God, even faith, fell and there's no will, willingness within themselves to believe. John 3, 3, I read this to you last week. Jesus answered and said to him, Jesus, knowing what's in his heart, knowing what Nicodemus' greatest need is, in John 3, 3, turn back there, in John 3, 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, born anothem. That's the Greek word for again there, anothem. It means again, but it also means above. Born from above. Born again, born from above. You see the word used down in verse 31. You see the word above in verse 31? That's the same word, anothem, used, translated there, above. So it carries that additional thought of being from above. 
So Jesus makes it plain that spiritual birth that is needed needs, it comes from above. Same source, Strong said, I read this this morning, Strong said it this way, it's, it comes from the same source. This is a birth that comes from the, the, the same source as your physical birth. Born again. You need to be born from the same source again. That's what he's saying. The same source. The same source that gave you physical life needs to give you spiritual life. There's another Greek word that could have been used, it's used for the word again. It's called palin. Palin means repetition. Sing that song again means I want to hear it repeated. Palin. Sing that song again. Anothem would be you sing that song again. The source. I'm more concerned with the source of who sings that song more than I am with the song itself. You follow me? So the emphasis here is on above. The emphasis here is on the source of the spiritual birth. The source of it. Gives you a little bit of insight here. God is the giver of life, and he's the giver of new life. Turn to Genesis 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, chapter 7. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You see this in verse 7? Hold your hand in John 3. We'll be right back. It says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the dust of man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, notice, the breath of life. See that? How did I get my life? God breathed life into us. And man became a living being. Go down to verse 16 of chapter 2 of Genesis. The Lord commanded the man, saying, Don't eat from, the, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. Then he says, But from the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Man ate from it, man died. Man introduced physical death into the human race, but man also died spiritually. New birth is now needed from the same one who gave life before sin. New birth is necessary because sin came into the world. New birth is necessary because men are in darkness, because men are separated from God, because men are spiritually dead. And apart from someone rising me from the dead spiritually, I cannot know God. I need a spiritual regeneration to be born. I must be born again. Same, same idea. Another birth from the same source, born again. Another birth from the same source. The God who breathed life into the nostrils breathes life into the soul of man. God is the one that does this, folks. God is the one that does this. It's his work. I can't manipulate it. I can't make it happen. That is something that only God does. Certainly requires the message of the cross and forgiveness and imputation and justification and all of those great doctrines preached, but the source of the life, the new life, 
is from God. Because Adam didn't do anything to bring himself into existence the first time, did he? He didn't do anything. Adam had nothing to do with it. He did not even exist. It was God's free choice that determined physical life. It's God's free choice that determines spiritual life. Verse 4 of John 3. Turn back to John chapter 3. Just going to say quickly here how God, God does this. How does God do this regenerating work? Well, it's not the way Nicodemus says it in verse 4. Notice what he says. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Nicodemus is a smart man. Understand this. He is a rabbi. And rabbis talk in analogies all the time. That's how they would go back and forth, using an analogy to speak a spiritual truth. I do not believe that Nicodemus doesn't understand that he's just heard an analogy. So really, this is nonsense he's saying here in one way. And it may just be sarcasm because he doesn't understand something. That's probably more what it is, that he makes this kind of a statement knowing full well there's a spiritual meaning here that I am not getting because that's how rabbis talk to each other. So he understands there's an analogy, a birth as an analogy here. He knows, he knows you're saying I have to start over. Now that is, that's upsetting. I've got to start over. I've got to start over. And so maybe that's the sarcasm. Maybe that's what he's hearing Jesus saying. You know, that's how it is with us, too. We, we don't want to surrender to have our lives completely changed. We don't want that. I don't, I don't want God upsetting my life by changing me. Some people say that. Now listen, I'll take a little bit of Christianity. I'll sprinkle a little bit of Christianity on my cereal in the morning, and then I'll just go my way. Or I just want enough Christianity to feel good about myself. Enough go to church, give money, read my Bible. I just want a little bit. I don't want this start over. I don't want this transformation. I don't want this regeneration. I don't want this, he's going to do something to me. I, I, I don't want to surrender the control of everything to God. I don't want to say I have been living a lie my whole life. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say I've been climbing up the wrong ladder my whole life. I don't want to have to say that. I don't want this new creation stuff. I just want a little bit of go to church, a little bit of read my Bible, a little bit of give money, a little bit of that. I just like to manage this Christianity thing. I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those born again types. You know, you got those in the church. You got the born again types over here and you got us normal Christians over here. Cultural, maybe not even believer Christians over here. Because you can't see the kingdom of God if you're not born again. You can't. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God wants a new creation. God does not want a better you. He wants a new creation. 
How's it done? Verse 5. You're still in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Water and Spirit. What are we talking about? Water and Spirit. Spirit... We understand spirit, Holy Spirit. Water, what does that mean? A lot of people have wrestled with this. I am not going to bring new insights into this discussion, except I do want to give you the three most popular views and tell you why I hold to the third view. Okay? First, first. Some people say this is talking about water, physical birth, spirit, spiritual birth. You got to be born physically, you got to be born spiritually. So some people say people say the water refers to the fluid in a woman's womb, um, amniotic fluids maybe is the word if I got it right. Uh, and that's referring to a physical birth. That's what the water is. Then the spiritual birth is the spirit. doesn't seem like you would make a requirement, you would make something a requirement that is something that happens naturally to us all anyway. Follow me? Water and spirit. Why are you making that? Why are you making physical birth a requirement? That happens to everybody. Secondly, Hebrew literature knows nothing in their understanding that birth had anything to do with water. So you're talking to a Jew, Jewish rabbi here, and you're using the word water here. He has no reference point for a woman's water breaking before she has a baby. Nothing. There's nothing in literature that says that. They, they didn't think like that. Also, Carson in his commentary makes the, and I thought this was kind of of interesting, Carson in his commentary says the Greek construction does not support two things here, two events, a physical birth and a spiritual birth. It's just one, one event, one event. That's interesting. The Greek construction puts it together like that, water and spirit. So they just go together, not two events. So flimsy view. People hold to it, but it's a flimsy view. The next one is water baptism. Water baptism, interesting. Some people say the water in verse 3 refers to a Christian baptism. And then the Spirit brings about a spiritual birth. Just keep this in mind. Nowhere in the Bible is any physical act by me or by you, necessary for salvation. Baptism is never, ever preached to us as a means of or condition for salvation. That's what you're doing here when you, when you say that here. If that's Christian baptism, then you're making it a requirement for regeneration. I will say this. The Roman Catholic Church holds that view, by the way. The Roman Catholic Church holds the view that, in fact, let me just read it to you. Many spiritual blessings flow out of water baptism. The sacrament of regeneration which causes people to be freed from sin and reborn as sons of God happens in water baptism. Water baptism, all your sins are forgiven as well as your punishment for sin. 
Baptism purifies us from all our sins. They also make a, the neophyte a new creature, create, excuse me, a new creature, an adopted sons of God, a partaker of the divine nature. That's what water baptism does. There, this is Mike Gindron's article, just came out this week. He says in this article, he says this is one of the greatest deceptions of the Catholic Church, that you can get baptized as an infant, as most Catholics are, and regeneration happens there. And they base it on John 3, 5. That's a deception. Water baptism does not do that, folks. You cannot take an event like baptism, which has not even been introduced yet in the chronology of the Bible, and post-date it, and put it back, it's post-dating this event, and put it back into the text and say, that's Christian baptism. You can't do that. You cannot impose on Nicodemus something he's never even heard of. Christian baptism doesn't start until later in Acts. This is early in the ministry of Christ. So that's flimsy. He, you know, he knew about ceremonial cleansing, yes. Jews did that, but not this idea of baptism, water baptism. So we discount that. That is not what the water is in 3.5. So here is what it is, I believe. Water is the same as spirit. Water and spirit are the same thing. It's the same thing. We're just talking about the same thing, using water as a term that describes spirit. Psalm 51, the psalmist cries out, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me, wash me, cleanse me, cleanse me. Verse 7, create in me a clean heart. Wash me, restore me. Isaiah 4.4, I will pour out water on a thirsty land. The Lord will wash away the filth of the land through the Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 verse 24. And this is where you really see it. Water and spirit, the same thing. Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Talking to Israel. This is the new covenant language being prophesied here. Something that's going to happen in the future. It says in verse, 30, verse 24 of Ezekiel 36. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will notice, sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put, notice, a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will soften your hard hearts. That's what he's saying. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. See that? See see the relationship of water and spirit in this new covenant language? I will cleanse you. I will wash you. I will make you my people. I will purify you. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will, I will, I will. That's something God does. Not something you do, something I will do to you. Regeneration. 
from, change from within. Rebirth. The rabbis would have known this. What's your problem, Nicodemus? Have you overlooked this text? Have you not seen this text? He should have gotten this. You're the teacher of Israel, verse 10. You're the teacher of Israel. Do you not know these things? Go down to verse 6 of John 3. Back to John 3, verse 6. John chapter 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I, I said this earlier. Heritage was a big thing. Heritage, you're from a Jewish family, and you were raised in a Jewish family. You thought that was enough to make you right before God. You would add in keeping laws and rituals and all of these outward things to score brownie points with God, but all of it was the flesh. It was just man-made, the flesh. Jesus is saying anything done in the flesh just produces more flesh. Human effort only produces human results. The Spirit breeds the Spirit. You can't get to heaven by your works. You can't get to heaven by your good works. Good works have their place, but they don't save you. They don't make you right with God. Baptism has its place, but it does not save you. It does not make you right with God. It's just outward evidences of something else that's happened inside. Look over, just flip back to John 1, 12 again. I've shown you this many times. I just want to say it again because it speaks to this very issue of flesh producing flesh, spirit producing spirit. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So everyone who believes, they're a child of God. You understand that. They're forgiven. They're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. They're adopted into the family of God. But the only way I can explain how they got there, the only way I can explain how they got to be in the family of God is verse 13. They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Only God. That is how verse 12 happened. Verse 12 did not happen on their own initiative. Verse 12 did not happen by the will of the flesh. Verse 12 did not happen by heredity. Verse 12 happened, notice, by God. He's the source. He is the source that puts you in the family of God. He is the source that regenerates you. I will, I will, I will. It's not something you do. Cannot explain the new birth in a physical way. That is what, that is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus is all about the physical way of doing things. You take great pride in that. You take great pride in what the physical flesh can do. I feel so right before God. I feel so good before God. I did this and I did this and I did this. And he's saying, none of that matters. The source is God. You need this new birth and you can't get it on your own. You cannot get it yourself. 
Verse 7, are you still in John 3? Go over to John 3, verse 7. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Jesus being saying, don't marvel. Don't be taken back by this. Don't get knocked off your rocker here. Obviously, he does not understand, but he uses the most emphatic word possible, must. You must be born again. No other way. None of this is what Nicodemus was expecting. Thought I would just go out and have a good theological conversation with a guy, glean some, glean some new wisdom from him that I could go share in the synagogue next week. No. Now I'm knocked off my rocker. My world is collapsing around me. I'm realizing I am not heaven bound. He gives a further explanation. The wind blows where it wishes, verse 8. He starts telling you some mystery here. The mystery, I say explanation, this explains nothing, really. This is mystery. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So as everyone who is born of the Spirit. Another analogy, comparison, Jesus talking about the wind. It blows where it wishes. We don't control it. We don't tell the wind to blow here or blow there. We just, uh, it's just got its own mind. We don't understand. I was sitting there at our front, in our garage, Wednesday morning and watching the hurricane wind blow through, you know, and just thanking God we still had electricity, you know, and thinking we were okay, and all of a sudden the wind blows a big gust and knocks over a tree and knocks out the lights for 36 hours. So, you know, it's just like, I, didn't, I wish I could control the wind at that point. That's so minor compared to what others have had to go through, but the point is, you see the wind, it just, it's unannounced, it just comes when it wants It's calm one minute, and the gust comes through, and next thing you know, it's doing what it does. There's times you're out sweating in the yard. You say, God, I wish I could control the wind. I wish I could make it come and blow on me right now. I am so hot. You wish you could manipulate the wind. You wish you could control the wind. You wish you could say something to the wind. You wish somehow you could make the wind blow where you want it to blow, this location right now. But you cannot do that. That's what he's saying here. It's you don't manipulate it. You don't control it. Jonathan Edwards gave a sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, 1700s, great American theologian, great preacher. His preaching of this particular sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, is given much credit for the beginning of the revival that took place in New England. God used that sermon to bring about that revival when many were converted. Do you know that he preached that same sermon in his church previously and everybody found it kind of dull? You follow what I'm saying here? You can't tell when the Spirit of God is going to show up and do His work. He chose Innsville, Massachusetts, to show up when that sermon was preached. Nobody really cared much about it at his own church when he preached it. Same sermon, same topic, same guy preaching it. And that's what I say. In ministry, you may labor a lot, and you, but you can't control or manipulate when the Spirit is going to show up. I've seen on TV those televangelists try to lather up the congregation and get them going and get them swaying and get them moving and the Spirit is somehow, he says, there and gold dust falls to this floor. I've seen all that. But that you don't manipulate the Spirit. You don't manipulate or control the Spirit. 
When he's going to do his regenerating work is when he decides it's his free choice to do that. His word will be present and preached, but that, even that is not the guarantee that he will show up and do a work at that moment. Can't, you can't control that. <clears throat> Could not, Edwards couldn't pick the timing or anything. Just preach the word. Spirit will work in his own way, his own time. Even the person that experiences the new birth doesn't control it. Do you know that? There's a track that's been put out. I've seen it many times, and I think it's well-meaning, but the, the, the track says, How to be born again. How to be born again. Just think of what that track's saying. How to be born again. What? That's not what John 3 says. You mean there's steps? Steps to being born again? You don't, you don't manipulate the Spirit. You labor, you preach the Word, and the Spirit will do His work in the way that He decides, in the timing He decides. You cannot control the Spirit. I, I think if I was an unbeliever, I would, cry, I would hear, in hearing this, I would cry out to God, God, do this work in me. That's a legitimate prayer. But you can't control the Spirit either. God, do this work. Save me. Open my eyes. Don't let me be like Nicodemus, climbing the wrong ladder my whole life and get to the top and realize that I, 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 it was leaning against the wrong building. I, I believe the new birth precedes faith, folks, okay? I believe the new birth precedes faith. Because I believe that faith is a gift of God from the new birth. I believe the new birth opens my eyes, makes Christ so attractive to me. The one, the Christ who was so unattracted to me, all of a sudden becomes very attractive to me because of the new birth. That I am now able to believe. I'm now able to believe in him. I need the new birth to waken me from the dead. I'm spiritually dead. I cannot respond. I cannot respond to what is preached from this book. It's spiritually appraised. I'm not spiritual when I'm not a believer. I need something spiritual to happen in me that makes these words attractive to me that I might believe them. That, my friends, is regeneration. Regeneration precedes faith. And the faith comes as a gift of regeneration when God does that saving work. I can't see this. I can't, I can't manipulate this. I don't know when this is going to happen, but you know something? I do see the effects. You saw the effects of the wind. You saw the effects that the wind could have on, uh, in a physical sense. You've seen it on the news, all of those things of what it's done to places. You see the effects of the wind blowing. And that's what we're going to look at next week. The effects of the wind blowing. I cannot see the wind. I cannot tell when it's coming and going, but I can see that it's there. Listen, it, I, none of us can see it, but none of us, none of us can deny that it happens, that it didn't blow somewhere. I didn't see it. I couldn't control it. I didn't know where it came from. But it, were, it, was, it blew. It blew through here. It blew in this person's life. It blew in that person's life. One day it will even blow in Nicodemus' life. 
That's later in John. But right now, it's all a mystery to him. And it's not going to be really until the wind blows that Nicodemus is going to know who Christ truly is. But that's next time we'll talk about those effects. But you don't have to wait till next week to cry out to God. God, I have heard things this morning that are mystery that must have been going on in Nicodemus' heart. You mean my heritage is not going to get me to heaven? My good works is not going to make me right before you. God, I cry out to you, save me. Open my blind eyes. Bring me salvation. Bring the wind my way. Bring the wind my way. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for your word and your truth. We praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.